Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It is Tuesday, December 6th, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm joined today by military correspondent Manny Fabian and health reporter Nathan Jafai. Hello, good morning to you both. Hi, good morning. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Manny. Hello, Manny. Hello, Nathan. So today we'll discuss comments from a top intelligence official about the situation in the West Bank, the psychosomatic effects of the COVID vaccine, a possibly game-changing laser-based air defense system, and the lack of research about menopause. Before we jump into it all, we're going to take a quick break. Do you or your clients have a commercial collection matter that's going nowhere? The Sarachuk Law Firm specializes in the most challenging collection matters, whether it is a single matter or a portfolio of cases. They are based in New York with relationships around the world. Sarachek's proprietary databases and tried and proven methods have earned them an unmatched reputation for success in getting their clients what they're owed. They work on a contingency fee basis, so they're only compensated when they succeed. The Sarachek Law Team strongly supports Israel. You can reach the Sarachek Team at www.sarachecklawfirm.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-E-K lawfirm.com or at 646-403-9775. The proceeding is an attorney advertisement and past results are no guarantee of future performance. Okay, so we're back. Manny, let's get started. Please tell us about comments made by Brigadier General Amit Sa'ar at a recent military think tank conference. He posited that Israel needs to look more closely at the causes of the recent uptick in West Bank attacks. I thought it was pretty interesting what he had to say. Yes, definitely. So um, uh, Amit Sa'ar, he is the head of the uh, military intelligence research department. So he's um, one of one of the most senior officers in the military intelligence directorate, and uh, and he said that uh, he he somewhat disagreed with the with this analysis that many people have that uh, that these these kind of waves of terror uh, is like a seasonal thing where every few years we get an uptick in violence in in the West Bank and in East Jerusalem and we get attacks and he said that it's not exactly a seasonal thing but we really need to look at the the kind of the causes of the attacks rather than the number of the attacks because while there have been a significant number of attacks more than what we've seen in let's say last year the causes are not the same as it was let's say in the 2015 wave so it really is important to look at the reasons and he said that the reasons are kind of this l- loss of uh, legitimacy that the Palestinian authority has with uh, young Palestinians in the streets, and with this lack of legitimacy that they have, and these this anger that young Palestinians have, along with this very easy access to firearms in the West Bank, have this enabled this kind of spiraling uh, violence and repeated shooting attacks. The IDF has recorded at least two hundred eighty-one shooting attacks this year, which is um, almost triple than than last year. So definitely a massive uptick there. And he also noted this kind of uh, increase also in incitement uh, that has spiraled this. And he said that, you know, people are very angry. Young Palestinians are very angry. And he said they they lash out to everything. They're lashing out at the Palestinian Authority, at Hamas, at other groups within their uh, within their society. And uh, they want to put it all on TikTok. So that's another trend we've seen where uh, Palestinians... Um, 
uh, record themselves attacking uh, Israeli troops uh, or record themselves shooting at a at a settlement. And he said that was a very worrying trend that is very difficult to deal with when it's it's a very kind of an unorganized uh, manner. Right. I also was wondering about just the firearms themselves. Obviously, uh, you know, a couple of decades ago, firearms were not as available, I believe, among Palestinians in quite the same way. Is that true? Was that discussed at all? He didn't dive into it too deeply, but uh, there is something to what you're saying there. Definitely uh, the kind of the the ease in, in getting a firearm now is, is something people like the army needs to look at and, and try to figure out exactly how there's just so many firearms in the West Bank currently or why people are less afraid to use them more is another thing. So uh, they may they may have always been lots of firearms, but the fact that Palestinians, young Palestinians are, are, are less afraid to to go and shoot soldiers during a during a raid is something that is worrying for uh, for Sar is what he said. Right. And was there any follow up at the conference to his comments? I'm curious about that. He he did say something interesting as well that other people agreed with, which is that the West Bank well, it will be the second most challenging that the military has next to Iran. So it's Iran and then the West Bank are the two kind of highest challenges that the army has heading into uh, 2023. Okay, those are uh, two two different places and yet uh, clearly top of the agenda. Nathan, let's turn to you, very different topic. Talk to us about vaccine hesitancy and the psychosomatic effects of COVID vaccines, I'm actually heading for a booster booster tomorrow. So I'm curious to hear if I'm going to think that I'm sick the day after. So the research that was just published suggests that there is a psychosomatic element, i.e. in a way it's in the mind when people feel side effects of COVID vaccines. This is not everybody, but in a significant number cases, we're seeing a psychosomatic effect. So what that means is people have the vaccine. And if people are hesitant about vaccines, which means kind of uh, concerned about them, suspicious in some ways, not anti-vaxxers, people who have the vaccines, but people who have their concerns about them, that actually increases the rate of people feeling side effects. We know this because Israeli researchers went and spoke to people and tracked their side effects after their second shot and did exactly the same thing after the third shot. And by analysing the patterns, they were able to see that those people who were most vaccine-hesitant tended to have more side effects than other people, which is really fascinating research. And just as you were talking then, Jessica, I was thinking about how it actually pans out with people because one of the things that comes out of this research is actually what I find the mind-bogglingly amazing possibility that just by bringing this into the open, we can actually reduce the incidence of side effects because research, other research shows that when you make people aware that there is an effect of feeling something because it's in the mind, that actually has a preventative effect from that pain or from that side effect. So it's entirely possible, Jessica, that just by having this conversation now, that you will decrease your chance of having side effects when you go for your vaccine tomorrow. Uh, it does sound interesting. Um, my husband often says that I've had COVID about 10 times because there is this sense that 
whenever you don't feel well in the last couple of years, is it COVID or is it not? Thanks for that, Nathan. I will keep it in mind tomorrow. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Manny will tell us about a partnership between U.S. Lockheed Martin and Israel's Rafael weapons manufacturer. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are privileged to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. Okay, so we're back. Manny, tell us about this very Star Wars-ish sounding laser interception system that is being developed in a joint venture between Lockheed Martin and Rafael, Israel's weapons manufacturer. Is it a space-ish sounding as it sounds? Uh, almost. So the, the 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 system called Iron Beam has been in development by Israel, uh, by Israel's Defense Ministry, and by Rafael for several years now. It hasn't completely taken off the ground yet. Uh, there were some su- successful tests uh, earlier this year, and uh, some successful tests uh, a couple years ago. So they're they're looking to kind of deploy an initial model as sort of a test run. But in the meantime. Uh, Lockheed Martin, the uh, manufacturer of the F-16 and the F-35 fighter jets, they have now joined Rafael in this development. Um, Lockheed Martin also have experience with laser laser systems themselves, uh, but they will be joining in and helping develop and manufacture and test the system as well as a variant of the system for the American market. So we might see uh, eventually an, an Iron Beam US edition, uh, so that Lockheed Martin will be able to sell that to, you know, the American uh, customers and the American armed forces as well. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about kind of a partnership between Israel and uh, Washington on the project, because Israel is hoping to get some American investment in, in it, uh, similar to how the Iron Dome back in the day uh, received American investment in the, in the development process. So now we have an American uh, arms manufacturer, kind of, or defense con- uh, contractor, uh, joining in on this project, uh, so that it may also speed things up and enable this system to be uh, fully deployed soon. Uh, and as well, it'll you know be beneficial for the, both companies as well uh, financially because uh, Israel, you know, will be able to now sell a, or sell off a, a variant to the American market as well. And do we know anything more about the research and development? In other words, does the does the work happen here in Rafael? Does it also happen in Lockheed? Is there are there teams working together on this, Israeli American teams, or is it really more of financial 
investment on the Lockheed Martin side. No, no, no. So, so definitely there will be teams uh, working on it, both in in the uh, in the Rafael headquarters here in Israel and in uh, Bethesda in the United States. And yes, they will be they will be doing a lot. It will be a lot more hands on work rather than just a, an investment thing. Uh, Lockheed Martin will will eventually have have teams that will be working physically on the development of the of the system and the testing of the system because it, it, it is probably a bit far off. It has been proven to work, but there are still some issues that need ironing out. And Israel believes, or the Rafael at least believes, that this partnership will help. Uh, speed things along with with the actual, you know, having the amount of people to to help work on it, and everything else that goes along with having another company working on a on a big on a very big project like this. Right, right, makes sense. Okay, thanks for that, Manny. Nathan, finally, uh, you wrote about an Israeli study that found that gynecological research overlooking looking at women who are going through or are post menopause is seems to be lacking primarily because uh, research on reproduction and childbirth is more forward-looking. Is that the result of the study? Why is there so little research on that time of life? The study suggested that research actually kind of clusters and focuses on um, these specific topics and years, childbirth, um, fertility, infertility, and the, the analysis they're coming from from this peer-reviewed research that is kind of really delving into this area of where the energy goes is suggesting that the decision-making and the channeling of energy is not right because it neglects um, women outside of those child um, childbearing ages um, and especially, um, especially those who are... Um, the age of menopause, post-menopause, and that kind of thing. So this is really kind of what I think we're going to see from this scholar is the start of a longer research project that really kind of challenges some of the norms in obstetrics and gynecology. So so very interesting reading. The methodology here was to look at their journal, the focus of journal titles internationally across global research to start to get an understanding of where the energy is going. Um, and what we saw was that the energy is very much on these kind of, um, you know, fertility-based topics. And what she's saying is, okay, obstetrics and gynecology has kind of become very mixed up. And what's happened in that is that issues to do with women's health, especially to do with women's sexual health and that kind of thing, have actually become kind of overshadows in the research terms and because of the focus on these other topics. And she's suggesting that that comes from kind of a, a very much kind of male bent in terms of uh, how we make decisions. And she's saying that's something that needs to change. So we accept, expect to see a lot more from this researcher. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, thanks for that, Nathan. And thank you, Manny. Thank you, Nathan, for being on today's Daily Briefing. It's been good to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Daily Briefing. In the meantime, have yourselves a good listen and a good day. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein, and to Gili Amar for this out-of-this-world music. You can find us daily wherever you find your podcasts. And on our mothership, timesofisrael.com. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. And be sure to check out our weekly feature, Times Will Tell. 
released every Friday. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.